Amen. So the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about um, how the Lord has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. However, there's a lot of stuff that, that God has given us for life and godliness that has been left out of the Bible. I know some of y'all looking at me like I am absolutely crazy for saying that, especially from a pulpit. But let me prove this to you. There is a special type of holiness package that God has given to believers, but it's only certain believers, those who are strong enough to withstand it. That, pro- that particular program is always around and is always seen, but yet you may not even think about it. But it is essential when it comes to character building. Now, this, this program is particularly rigorous. And again, I say it's not for the faint of heart. So what is that program you might be talking about? That program is none other than customer service. <laughs> so... Anybody who's ever worked in customer service can attest to that. Whatever customer service you're talking about, so whether it be retail, healthcare, construction, you have seen the absolute best of humanity in the people that you're serving, and you've also seen the absolute best of humanity in the people that you are serving. As a matter of fact, there are a group of people who can strongly identify with this, and those people are none other than call center workers. We got a video that we want to show you. Yes, I know how long you've been holding, and I don't care. Why, yes, I'd love to spend the next 10 minutes of my life being told what a horrible person I am by a stranger. I'll definitely transfer you to my supervisor who will give you the same information I just gave you. As soon as you started yelling, I zoned out. I'm not sorry I placed you on hold for five minutes. I was hoping you'd hang up. Oh, you're never gonna use our company again? Great, that means I'll never have to talk to you again. I'm gonna tell you the issue is resolved so that I can go on break. I'm telling you that I'm finishing up with another customer, but really I'm just catching up on office gossip. I asked you to repeat that because I was too busy texting on my phone. I'm gonna hang up on you and pretend it was an accident. I'm attempting to sound empathetic because quality assurance is listening. The only perk of my job is not seeing your face. Please stop telling me this pointless story. Just tell me your problem so we could both get on with our day. I'm saying this with confidence, but I have no idea if this information is true. I'm not sorry you feel that way. I'm not sorry that happened. Oh no, I understand, I just don't care. This job has made me dead inside. This job has given me a fear of talking on the phone. Listen babe, call me hun one more time and I'll burn this place down. Have a great day. So how many of y'all have been on both the giving and the receiving end of that? So the funny part about this is that I completely understand. For the last 15 years of my life in the military, I've worked in mental health. And listen, when you talk about customer service, you're going to get the best of customer service in that experience. So uh, trust me when I get it. I, I, I get it. There are going to be plenty of times in our lives as we're working in customer service that we pretend. We put on a face to let the customer know that we care about them. But the danger about this is that that pretending can start creeping into our character on a normal basis. Okay. Now, here's the thing about that is that we have to be careful because God blesses who we actually are, not who we pretend to be. Uh, See, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen, so I'm going to come over here to this side of the room. Oh, yeah, I bring the black church experience, but so, you know, just to address the elephant in the room, this is about to happen today, all right? So on this side of the room, I'm going to say it to y'all. So God blesses who we actually are, not who we pretend to be. Amen. 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 All right. So 
Now, I understand that I am brand new here. So some of y'all are like, man, where did they find this dude from? Like, they pick him up off the street somewhere. Where No, I've been preaching for the last nine or ten years, so I'm not brand new to this. But I will, I will admit to you, this is my first time preaching within this context. I'll let you figure out what I mean by that. So now... Again, my name is Fred Gallup, and I'm a pastoral resident here, and they have given me the nickname the Fredzident because Fred, resident, president, <laughs> and I consider it an honor and a privilege to spend my Sunday with y'all. I really do mean that from the absolute bottom of my heart. It wasn't our choice to come to Wyoming, but it was God's choice for us to come to Wyoming. And you have to be where God places you and excel there. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm already about to start preaching. I'm already about to start preaching. But what we want to do is send a special shout out to you if this is your first time here. And we also want to send a special shout out to you if you are not even saved, if you don't even believe the same things that we believe. We just want to welcome you with open arms and say thank you for being with us. We truly value you. And from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. So as an overview, over the past few weeks, We've been diving into a series called Glory, and it's taken from the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 36, which says that for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Throughout the book of Romans, Paul articulates what it means to be transformed into the image of Christ and also place our faith in him. People are changed by people who are changed by Christ can walk in the conduct of Christ. So throughout the course of today's message, we're going to be utilizing the New Living Translation version of the Bible. So in case you don't have your own Bible, don't worry about it. The scriptures are going to be up on the screen. And then you can also grab a Bible for free from our guest services section. We would love to place that in your hand because we believe that every believer having the word of God is essential. So our main scripture for today is going to be Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. So in context here, Romans chapter 12 deals with a multiplicity of different types of relationships. Verses 1 through 2, it, uh, it deals with our relationship to God. Secondly, verses 4 through 8, it's our relationship to the gifts of God's spirit. Third, our relationship to unbelievers, I'm sorry, to other believers is explained in verses 9 through 13, and our relationship to unbelievers is in verses 14 through 21. Now, as uh, Pastor Jeff, he told me I was going to be preaching. He invited me to preach. I was so excited, especially because we're dealing with one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Romans, which is the most systematic presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then I looked at the scriptures. I was like, man, I got the boring ones. <laughs> like, <laughs> Romans 12, 14 through 21, I was like, you know, you know, a lot of times today I'm going to be going into preacher voice. I'm just going to let you know that. So uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, you know, you got exciting verses like that. And then I give verses that talk about be good to people who don't like you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I struggle with that, you know, if I'm just being completely honest with y'all. But, hey, God is a keeper. Glory to him alone. All right. So now it's three things I want you to remember from today's message. The first one is, just as we talked about a second ago, the world is your customer. 
The second is that it's a very simple principle. It's that you represent Christ. And lastly, being pushed produces godliness. So do me a favor. I want you to exercise your neck muscles. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh, y'all got to do better than that. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. There we go. The world is your customer. All right. So Romans chapter 12, verse 10, verse 14. When you have it, say amen. Amen. It's already on. It's going to be on the screen. So it's just cheap. All right. So now. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says to bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but instead, I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Don't curse them, but instead pray that God will bless them. All right. So now to explain this. There are going to be times in your life when you're dealing with this is not just unbelievers, but this is people in general, y'all. This is people in general. Sometimes you're going to have to do what's called flip the script. Now, some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. So to kind of explain, flip the script is a black colloquialism that is utilized on the, uh, on the East Coast. It's African-American colloquialism that simply means that you have to believe, behave differently than what people expect you to. OK, so that's your first tidbit in cultural immersion for today. So sometimes you have to flip the script. This simply means that in order to fully represent Christ, despite the times of dealing with difficult people, you are charged to behave in ways that people will not expect you to behave. So rather than going there with them, so you take the situation from 10 and bring it back to a one. Amen. So now while, while people are cursing you and treating you all types of ways, your responsibility is to pray and earnestly desire that God will bless that individual. So I know what you're saying. That's impossible. <laughs> and by your own strength, it is. That's why we have the spirit of God living inside of us. Amen. So now. Again, working in where I worked for the past 15 years in a psychological sort of clinic, mental health and everything, people will tell you that you are crazy if you talk to yourself. I say just the opposite. You're crazy if you don't talk to yourself. Amen? So sometimes you have to engage in what's called self-talk. You have to ask yourself the question. You say, self, do I honestly want the best for all people? This is an internal heart check. So am I able to look past my own offenses and see a person that God loves unconditionally? Am I able to see past my own hurts? Am I able to see past the fact that I want to slap this person and say, God, I want you to bless this person. Oh, my gosh. So this will challenge every bit of humility that you have. (laughs) And then the only way for that humility to be challenged is by being in difficult circumstances so that this humility will continue to grow. Because remember, the scripture says that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. So God is putting you in a position to be tested, to be humbled so that you can be blessed. 
So now what is going to require of you is to let go of your safety net, those walls that you built up, those defenses and say, God, you know what? I'm going to allow this person to get close to me. I'm going to allow, Lord, because you want to do something through me for this individual. So, God, I have to take off my own armor in this case and be open to letting you bless them through me. So now, am I able to live peacefully with others? So another black colloquialism. Am I being extra? <laughs> now, some of you have no idea what the word, am I just being extra? Some of you have no idea what that means. That simply means, are you doing the most? Again, you probably don't know what that means either. <laughs> so are you doing too much? Again, so basically what this means is that sometimes you have to recognize that maybe my character is too much for a lot of people and that I am not fully representing Christ. So now here's the thing about God is that God does not believe in social promotion, y'all. God does not believe in it. So God is he's such a great teacher that he will let you continue to take the test until you pass it. God doesn't care if you're 46 years old in the second grade if you did not pass the test. So God will continue to allow you to go back through this circumstance just as he did with the Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness and kept coming back to the same place named Kadesh Barnea. God allowed them by his grace to continue to go through the same thing until their character was fortified enough to get through the situation that he brought them to. Now, I'm sure that many of us were taught this famous American proverb. It says, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So in the churchianity context, especially in black churchianity, this is called the ministry of shut up. So the ministry of shut up is a blessed ministry, y'all. The ministry of shut up will keep you out of so much trouble (laughs) by simply saying nothing at all. When people take you there, your best option sometimes is just simply to practice that good old fashioned ministry of shut up. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 17 deals with this. It says, A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. (laughs) So in order to apply this, I have to ask myself again that self-talk. Can I avoid speaking ill towards, not just towards, but about other people? Y'all know how we do sometimes. Sometimes we like to gossip. The Bible specifically is opposed to gossip. But you know what? We know what happens is that a lot of times we fool ourselves to think that we're just simply discussing an issue about an individual just because we're concerned. Or maybe it's just me. (laughs) But here's the thing about that is that a lot of times your flesh will take you where your spirit doesn't want you to go. So the moment you start noticing yourself talking about somebody, you have to ask yourself and say, is this truly glorifying God in what I'm saying? Now, if I'm being extra, do I trust people enough to let me know when I'm being extra? See, a lot of times you need accountability partners to let you know when you're doing the most. 
Okay, so now you need accountability partners that are actually going to hold you accountable, not tell you what you want to hear. Then lastly, you have to work on seeing people the same way God sees them. And caveat to that, we have to work on seeing people the same way God sees us, because here's the thing. We're talking about difficult people. We always look at it as those difficult people. No, we are difficult people. There are times in our lives where we are going to be difficult. So we have to pray and say, God, I pray that, Lord, you you transform my heart so that I can more fully represent you to this individual. So next second major point is that matter of fact, we got to do this again. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor. You represent Christ. Now, this is so important to understand that Romans 12, 17, it says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do all things in such a way that people can see that you are. What's that last word? Honorable. Honorable is such an important, important word here because we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, an ambassador is somebody that's sent to another nation or another area and they represent the person that they're speaking on behalf of. So that's important for us because we have we are the Bible says that we are strangers. We are pilgrims on this earth and that we represent people. We represent God to people. So the book of Matthew, chapter five, verse 16, it says, let your this is one of my life verses. Do we still do that? Life verses. Yeah. So this is my life verse right here. It says, let your good works so shine amongst people. That people will see your good deeds and they will glorify your father who is in heaven. Now, I know I kind of mix together New Living Translation and the uh, King James Version. So what I call that is the King Fred Version. So like the new King Fred Version. So now in this, the Lord is saying you don't simply do good or you don't simply succeed for yourself. You succeed in order to point the glory directly back to me. So God wants to, this is, this is the thing about God, is that you are kingdom kids. The Lord loves you and wants to bless you. So God wants to bless you so that you can in turn give the glory to him because he's trying to draw all people into himself by what he's doing through you. So it's an important principle to know this. The rabbi is judged by his disciples. Now, some of you have heard of what a rabbi is, but anybody who's ever been to Israel, you kind of know what a rabbi is. So a rabbi is a spiritual leader there in Israel. And uh, when I went to the top, the top of last year over to Israel, you know, a couple friends and I went, we noticed that there were certain rabbis, a select few of them, who were like rock stars in the city of Jerusalem. So now here's the thing. People identified with their rabbi and that gave them a sort of clout. They were proud to say, I am a Talmudim or a disciple of this specific rabbi. But now on the, on the, the converse side of that, is your rabbi proud to say that you are one of his disciples? So that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. And then lastly, do, I'm sorry, next, do I present Christ as appealing or as repulsive? And then now I should also search for opportunities to glorify Christ. Psalm 23, that's one of those uh, psalms that you learned in vacation Bible school. 
it was part of your, uh, you know, you had to sit down, you had to say a Bible verse around dinner. Some of y'all tried to cheat and say the, 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 the shortest Bible verse in the Bible, you know, Jesus wept, <laughs> just, <laughs> just so that you can get to the meal. But, you know, Psalm 23, again, preacher voice says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, but whatever. So we're getting to the point, Psalm 23 and 5, this is such a good principle right here. It says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. So people who don't even like me, they're on looking and saying, God has blessed that person. But the problem is, is that in our flesh, we want nothing more (laughs) than to simply take that glory and be like, Got you. You were talking bad about me. Got you. Look at me getting blessed up here. Look at me getting this promotion. Look at me getting all these things. But here's the thing about that. That is not what God desires for you. Instead of simply eating all the food, God expects for you to invite other people to the feast. Because God, here's the thing. God wants you to be not a, not a dam for blessings, but a river or a conduit. So that blessings, that's why he says, my cup overflows. God wants to bless you so much that you can't contain it all and you have to spill over to other people. But it can't simply be the people that you like because, again, we are in the customer service business and our job is to win people over to the Lord. So how do we apply this? Unfortunately, many of us suffer from what's called peacockism. (laughs) Or we have a peacock spirit. So what does this mean? A peacock, just think about what a peacock, whenever it's threatened or simply when it wants to show off, what it does is it spreads those feathers out and it's like, look at me. Aren't I glorious? And it goes, it perks up his chest and it stretches his stuff around. It's like, I am that peacock. <laughs> you know, you change the way you walk, change the way you talk. However, God is not in that, that. That's why God created you as a human being and not as a peacock. Because the glory that God blesses you with, you're simply supposed to be a mirror that reflects the glory back to him. One of the best illusions that I like to utilize is that we're simply trails of stardust that lead to the superstar. That's all that we are. We are trails of stardust that lead to the superstar. So this sounds a little weird, but sometimes we have to search for ways to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the crazy thing about our enemies. God says, if our ways please him, he will cause our enemies to live at peace with us. If our ways please him, there's a caveat there. If is only two letters, but this is the biggest word in the Bible. If our ways please him, he will cause our enemies to live at peace with us. So lastly, the last major point, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Being pushed produces godliness. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, to feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but, let, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, 
This is, a, this is so difficult, but we're going to be using two examples here as we really drive this point home. So we have a video that I want to show you all for all my science geeks out there. This may, uh, this may kind of tickle your fancy. Since the dawn of humanity, we've had a complex relationship with nature. We're obviously a part of it, but often we view ourselves as separate from nature or even working against it. Through the control of fire, the rise of agriculture, and the growth of our civilization, we've been molding the Earth's environment to suit our needs. We try to control it, we try to protect it, we depend upon it, and we try to understand it. But could we recreate it? Taking what we know about the planet and what we need to survive, could we replicate the Earth's ecosystems? Well, back in the late 1980s, a group of scientists attempted to do just that. In the middle of the Arizona desert lies a 3.14 acre research facility that was designed to mimic Earth's complex natural systems. This cool looking giant greenhouse building is known as Biosphere 2. Okay, but where's Biosphere 1? That's a great question. That's one that we're commonly asked. So, Biosphere 1 is the Earth. This is John Adams, Deputy Director of Biosphere 2, which is currently owned and operated by the University of Arizona. Biosphere 2 was really thought up in the early 80s with this notion that there was a lot of discussions about space travel, extended stays in space, and the recognition was, is how are you going to do that? In 1987, a private organization, Space Biosphere Ventures, headed by billionaire and environmentalist Ed Bass, spearheaded and designed the construction of Biosphere 2. The project hoped to demonstrate the feasibility of space colonization by recreating the Earth's ecological systems inside of an artificial habitat. Inevitably, you would have to take some of these biological processes that we're so dependent here on Earth for into space and balance what happens between them to support the existence of a certain number of people for an extended period of time. No one really had tested that on a large scale. And Space Biosphere Ventures would attempt that. They intended Biosphere 2 to be a completely closed, self-sufficient system, like the Earth's own biosphere, where plants, animals, and humans could live indefinitely. In fact, it was the largest closed system ever constructed and one of the most ambitious and complex Earth science experiments ever conceived. And for the most part, they got it right. In September of 1991, eight people were sealed in Biosphere 2. Known as Biospherians, they would live inside the structure for a full two years. All their food, water, and amenities had to be obtained from the habitats inside the biosphere. They were to have no direct contact with the outside world for the entire length of their stay. And almost right away, things started to go wrong on Biosphere 2. Now, I'm like, some of y'all are like, man, what in the world does that have anything to do with this? Well, here's the thing about this, is that the Biosphere 2 was one of the biggest science experiments in the history of humanity. But so they, what they did is that they found the best soil, the best seas, the best water, the best temperature, but there was a problem. So as the trees started growing up, as the trees started growing up, they grew really healthy, they grew really strong. But when they got to the top, the trees started falling over. So it's like, why? What in the world happened here? There was an essential component that was missing from this, and that essential component was wind. So what wind does in this case is that wind is resistance. So now the thing is, is that we can have our situations and circumstances be perfect, but times we will grow up and we will, we will collapse under the strength of our own weight. So what God has instituted is this program called WIND. People, difficult people are WIND so that when they blow against you, instead of just simply having your own bark, you have a reaction called a secondary bark. So what happens is that these trees, they were missing that secondary bark that happens in nature because when the wind blows, the trees have to be more fortified, the roots are strengthened, and then the reaction bark comes up. And then what that reaction bark does, instead of weighing the tree down, it instead curves it and it points it 
directly to the life source. So that's what God is doing through difficult people. It said, because things are not going to be easy for you, I need you to have some sort of adversity. I need you to have the winds of life blow so that you can be pointed directly to who I am and that you can be fortified in who I am. So if you've ever experienced this sort of situation where you need that, you're in good company because our Lord Jesus, the same thing happened to him, y'all. In the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, there was a very intimate time that we see in Scripture where Jesus was in this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Even Jesus had to go through difficulties to be able to deal with people, especially for him to fulfill the mission that God has sent him for. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane is so symbolic, y'all. Even the name Gethsemane, it means oil press. So right here, I have a jar of olives. Now, there are some weird people on earth who like to eat these things. <laughs> and if that's you, the altar is open for your deliverance. <laughs> but I'm not going to open this up for two reasons. I'm not going to insult your intelligence. You know what an olive looks like. And secondly, I'm not about to spill it on these Jordans. <laughs> but in and of itself, an olive is not remarkable. It's just simply an olive. Not very tasty, kind of tart sort of bitter, but it's the contents of the olive that make it so important. It's a couple pictures here that I want to show you. This is an ancient Gethsemane. This is an ancient olive press. Next one, please. It was a way for the olives to be crushed in mass because Every Hebrew person, every Mediterranean person knew that the good stuff in the olive was on the inside of it. So this good stuff that we're talking about is olive oil. And it has a number of different uses. Some, olive, some uses of olive oil is that it's good for the skin. It's good for the hair. You know, in those Wyoming winters when your lips are super dry, what we like to say is that you have ashy lips. Simply put a little bit of olive oil on your lips and it soothes. It's the balm of Gilead. But it has a deeper spiritual principle at work here. That spiritual principle is that olive oil was used for anointing. Now, what anointing represents is the power of the Holy Spirit. So whenever a new king was coronated, whenever there was religious observances, what they would do was take a ram's horn or also known as a shofar that they blow for, for ceremonies and they would pour the olive oil into the ram's horn and their horn symbolizes strength. So as the spirit is being infused with strength, we receive all the benefits from that. So in this situation, Jesus had to be crushed. Jesus was dealing with such 
emotional and psychological turmoil that he had a medical condition happen known as, known as hematidrosis, which is when you are such, you are such, you're under such emotional stress that the capillaries in your skin burst and then you begin sweating drops of blood. But God knew that this is exactly what Jesus needed in order so that he could go to the cross and serve as the savior of all people. So there is no student who is greater than his master. So if Jesus had to go through the crushing, then so do we. The beautiful part about this is, is that the more we are crushed, the more of our internals is shown to all people. And that is the glory of God through the power of Christ. The book of Job teaches us that when I have endured his testing, it says I shall come out as pure gold. Malachi chapter three, verse three. It also says that it says that the Lord, he sits as a refiner of silver. Now, what this means to people who don't know, a refiner of silver, he sits with his tongs and he has this this lump of silver that's full of this stuff called dross. It's impure. So what he has to do is he has to take those tongs and he has to put it in the fire. And then he pulls it out of the fire after a time. And if he still sees dross, he puts it back into the fire. This process is continued until he pulls it out of the fire and he sees a reflection of himself. That's what God is utilizing difficult people in your life for so that you can look more like him. He will continue to place you in the fire until he sees his glory reflected in you. And with that, glory to God, with that, this program is simply utilized so that you can be conformed into the image of Christ, y'all, and you can receive an inheritance that's so far greater than anything you can begin to imagine. As we're closing out, I want to leave you with this verse. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. It says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those that love him. And in order for you to receive that, God has to place you in circumstances where you can be conformed into his image. So, Father God, we thank you for these things. God, we pray that you are glorified in us today, Lord. And God, we pray that just as the Matthew chapter 13 parable recalls, God, help us to be like that that good seed that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold, Lord. We pray that we remember these things and that you are Lord and that you are sovereign. We give you honor for these. In Jesus' name, amen.